Welcome to the new podcast for WGTS 91.9's Gateway Fellowship, a place that is about inspiring hope. You can find out more about us and hear more messages at MyGatewayFellowship.com. As we know, and you've heard many times, that prayer can change things. Prayer can change situations. Prayer can, can make good out of bad. I'm so happy I see Ivy in the back there with little Brandon. She has a prayer story that we will hear a little bit later on, but her little grandson um, was uh, clinically dead at Children's Hospital. So, you know, if the doctors are saying that, I mean, no question about it. But um, through the power of prayer, the Lord did a miracle. Friends, prayer still works. Don't let anyone fool you, anyone try to make you think anything different. The power of prayer still works today. What is prayer? Prayer, as we can say, is simply talking to God. That's what we can say. But the situation is that we can all talk to God, and we all should talk to God. But I have found in my personal life, what stops me from going to that next level in prayer is one simple word. Belief. You see, we can talk to God all we want, but if we don't believe that God can change our situation. In fact, the scriptures knew that because it says that that even if we struggle with belief, that we can say, Lord, help my unbelief. And he's willing to even step in if you even even are struggling with even the the, the, the mereness of belief. And so my challenge for all of us for this next coming year is, yes, let's keep talking to God. But then let's go the next level. Let's start believing that God can change our situations. Let's start believing that God can make a difference in our life. Let's start believing that, that yes, I may not be able to see the light at the end of the tunnel right now, but I know one thing, and that one thing is that God is in control. Oh, friends, let us start believing that this upcoming year. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to become good friends uh, with a gentleman from Brooklyn, New York, Pastor Tyrone. Pastor Tyrone is the youth pastor for Brooklyn Tabernacle. And we had the privilege of um, um, just forming a very close friendship. Um, we would invite him um, out this way to speak, and I would go up there, and it was just a, just a very good friendship. And I had the chance of being good friends with some of the staff there at Brooklyn Tabernacle. In fact, if you want to see a miracle, Tuesday nights in Brooklyn, New York, they have a prayer meeting that 5,000 people attend with no parking. People park a couple miles away, will catch a subway, to come and to just be at the prayer meeting. And this is what makes it even more unique. When I first met Pastor Tyrone, he says, all right, Terry, the prayer meeting starts at 5 o'clock. I mean, it starts at 7 o'clock. The doors open at 5, and I want you to be here at 4. And I said, be here at 4? This doesn't, it doesn't start till 7. And I said, oh, all right. Well, I get there at 4 o'clock. 
we're there in his office and we go and we meet with uh, Jim Simbola, the, uh, the, the, the pastor. And then they said, let's show you something, Pastor Terry. We go downstairs. We go outside. And by 430. People are lining up to get into the prayer meeting. By 430. And I'm not just talking about one or two lines. I'm talking almost wrapped around the building. By five o'clock, they're all the way around. He says, it's this way every single week. So I said, what are you all doing here? Are you doing something? He says, no. He says, all we're doing is simply open these doors up and we sing a few songs and we pray. That's it. And he says, what has made our prayer meeting so unique is that we've just got effective in communicating what God has been able to do in the people's lives. He says, there's nothing special. I'm sure it's your prayer meetings and your places of worship that, that God's doing special stuff. But we've just gotten in the habit of letting people share their testimonies and share what God's doing and examples. And and I tell you, and you sit there and it's just a simple prayer meeting. Uh, they, like I said, they sing some songs. Uh, they will bring people up who God has made a difference in their life. The pastor will say a few words and then they pray no more than that. Now, some of you have had the opportunity to hear the uh, program Breakaway on WGTS. There is a gentleman that um, I'm going to be interviewing very soon. In fact, we're going to actually try to work on bringing him here uh, in conjunction with that. His name is Danny. And I want you to hear Danny's story. It's going to be around nine minutes. And so we're going to ask you to just sit back and relax. But when you hear Danny's story... You will never forget Danny in your life. And when he comes through these doors, y'all are going to give this guy some of the biggest hugs you've ever seen. Just simply listen to Danny's story as we uh, play it at this time. I remember so clearly the day a young lady, Wanda, in the choir, one of the sopranos, um, came to me and said, Pastor Simbola, you got to pray for this fellow named Danny. I met him on my job. He is a time bomb ready to just explode. It's an impossible situation, but we're praying. We're interceding. I've got some people praying with me. Would you join us? Because unless God performs a miracle, I can't even imagine what his end might be. I've been uh, doing hair and makeup uh, as a freelance hairdresser and makeup artist working in photo studios in New York and basically around the world for about 35 years. But in my very early 30s, I decided to move to Paris uh, because I wanted to be in the center of what was happening fashion-wise. And within two months of being in Paris, I got my first cover of Vogue magazine. When that cover hit the newsstands, um, my career just exploded. Now I was charging $3,000 a day, and uh, I was working every day. I had as much money as I wanted to spend on drugs. Suddenly it wasn't like pills and alcohol, now it was cocaine, and then it started, then heroin came into the picture. One day I was on a photo shoot um, in New York City, 
And uh, the model who was on this photo shoot was a very beautiful redhead. And she began to talk to me about the Lord. God is in, God loves you. And this, and I was like, you know, whatever. She, to me, she was a religious fanatic, and I really didn't have very much to say to her. I just let her talk. Before she left, she said, um, "Hey, Danny, do you mind if I pray for you?" Right in the studio, she just took my hands and she began to pray out loud. And I had never been around anybody praying out loud, you know. And I began looking around at people going like, you know, I just thought this girl's nuts. Before she walked out, she said, look, you know, you're in trouble. She goes, I know who you are. I've seen your work in magazines for years. And um, I know you work with all these famous celebrities, but you're in big trouble. And she said, so I just want to let you know that the day you call on the name of the Lord, he's going to set you free. And I said, oh, really? You know, like that. And I went, like, you don't understand. Uh, I've gone way too far. <laughs> you know. And so she said, oh, no, no, there's no hopeless cases with Jesus. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know. But listen, I will never call on the name of the Lord. That won't happen. And I won't ever come to your church. One of my contracts uh, was for a clothing manufacturing company and uh, we were shooting down in the Caribbean and I overdosed on heroin. They sent me back a few days later to New York and they pulled my contract on a morals clause and I didn't care. All I wanted to do was shoot dope. So one day I, I pulled a garbage can between my legs and I just began to cut up everything that had my name on it anything, passports, driver's license. I put the keys on the table and I just walked out and closed the door behind me and I never went back. And I began to live on the streets. Day-to-day -day existence on the streets of New York was um, you wake up, you're sick, you need drugs. I had gotten down to about 108 pounds. Um, I developed hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C. Every once in a while, you know, living on the streets, I would, I would uh, go to a payphone and I would call Wanda and I would say, look, I need some money, you know, and she would go, well, if you would come by the church today, we have choir practice tonight, you know, uh, I can give you 20 bucks or, you know, whatever. She never gave up on me. She never gave up on me. Um, she never gave up on me. I didn't know it, but she had a whole team of, like, you know, her friends out here all praying for me. And they would pray for me in prayer meetings, you know, where there's thousands of people. They're, you know, crying out to God. I mean, they would pray for me and pray for me. And, and you know, what did I know? I didn't know everybody was praying for me. I started developing a lot of phobias on living on the street. I began to hear voices in my head. And it just began, it, it, it was constantly accusing me and constantly telling me how I would mess up. And then there was like another voice that started in and I could hear them both at the same time. And the other voice would just curse and just spew out filthy language. You know, there was a third voice that used to just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. I was riding the trains and... Uh, this, this guy, who was like a drug addict, who was also riding the train, said to me, you look like you're dying. And he said, there's a hospital the next stop. You should go to the hospital. 
you know, and I went, oh yeah, maybe I will, because I didn't want to die on the street. I went in through emergency, and uh, I was I was sick. I mean, I was really sick. I don't know if it's something I remembered that Wanda had said to me, or whether like an angel whispered in my ear. But there was like one moment where I just heard like a sweet little voice in the midst of all that craziness, and it said, "The day you call the name of the Lord, He's going to set you free." It was just at that moment that uh, that I cried out to God. That it, it was as if the spirit of God just swept into that hospital room, and it was as if He was all around me. And all in me, and healing me, and loving me. I, I don't even know what I was experiencing, but it was it was an overwhelming experience. And immediately, all the voices in my head stopped. It was just that quickly. And. Um, that's been 11 years ago almost, and they've never come back. Well, Wanda came back into the picture when um, I was in the rehab. I wrote her a letter, and I told her what had happened. And, um, and she wrote me back a letter. It just said, like, it had three big letters on it, W-O-W. I said, wow. <laughs> She, she couldn't believe it. I'll tell you the thing that blows me away more than anything is that God goes so much further than we ever dare to ask Him for. You know what I'm saying? Like when I called on the name of the Lord, I just wanted to get out of a jam. <laughs> <laughs> and, and God says, no, no, I'll get you out of the jam, but I'm going to give you a new life. Not only that, I'll go even further than that. I'll stand you up in front of all the world, in front of audiences of thousands and thousands of people so that others will know that they too can obtain mercy. You know, it's almost like a trophy, like you're his trophy that he wants to show off to the world and say, I can do this in somebody's life. God can make a change in your life. Maybe you're going through a situation that seems impossible. It seems tough. I want you to know that this year is going to be your year. If the Lord could work through someone like Danny, who was at, literally at the bottom of of everything and to be able to make a difference just what he imagine what he can do to your life and so that brings us to that second ingredient which is trust so it's one thing to talk to God which is important 
The second thing is to believe that God can change your situation. And finally, trust him. You have to do it. Because we can talk all night long and talk about different things, but unless you get to the point where you can just say, Lord, I I, I don't understand, I don't see how it's all coming together, but I'm willing to trust you. That's the only thing that we can do that will make a difference. I remember as a little boy there in Portland, Oregon, Some of you have heard me share this before. That the school that I attended as a little boy, we would catch the bus back and forth. And there was one gentleman, I won't mention his last name, but just his first name. But his first name was Mike. And the moment you would look at Mike, you would tell that he didn't come from the best of backgrounds. Mike would always have patches on his clothes, not when they were fashionable. Later on, it became fashionable, and we were asking our mothers to sew patches on. But Mike had patches when they weren't popular. His clothes were always just a little bit dirty. And you know what kids do when other kids are different. It's called tease. And I mean, we would make fun of Mike and just all sorts of things. And I think about it now, Mike wanted so bad, because we were just in the fifth grade, and he wanted so bad to be part of our little group, so bad. And so one day we're talking about cars, and Mike thought, this is the opportunity now. I can be part of the group. Because we used to play this game called, that's my car. I don't know if you're little, you remember that you would be with, that's my car if you claimed it first, then that was your car, but it really wasn't your car, but. So we were doing that in the back, and then Mike came and he said something. He said, our family just bought a brand new Cadillac. And once again, he was hoping that this would make him part of our group. And so I remember we stopped and we said, Mike, a Cadillac, a new one? He says, yes, a brand new one. He says, you wait and see. And so we were dropping people off and we got to Mike's house and there parked on his lawn was, yeah, it was a new Cadillac. But the roof was pushed down. It was dented, all beat up. The lights were broken out on it. And we started to laugh. And I mean, we laughed. I remember the bus driver was trying to get us to stop laughing and he was laughing. Y'all stop, stop laughing. (laughs) Stop laughing at his new Cadillac. And I remember as Mike got off that bus, he turned around and he looked at us and he simply said this. You wait and see what my daddy's going to do. I remember this like it was yesterday. And then he got off the bus, tears coming down, and we kept laughing. But there was something that we did not know. Mike's dad owned an auto body shop. And so Mike's dad apparently had gotten this car for almost free 
And he brought it home because this was going to be his own project to fix up. So I remember that one day we drove by, the car was there, but the roof was all pushed up. Another time, and this was over a period of time, we would drive by it, and I remember all the paint was stripped off the car, and we really laughed because the car was like this gray color. And we're like, ha ha, look at your new dad's new Cadillac. And Mike would always say the same thing. You wait and see what my daddy's going to do. I don't know when it happened and how it happened. And Mike probably went and told his dad what was going on. But one day our bus turned that corner. And there was the prettiest Cadillac you have ever seen in your life. And Mike got a great big old smile and he said, I told you so. I told you what my daddy was going to do. And I remember that just like it was yesterday. I had the privilege when I was pastoring in Portland, it was to find Mike. Mike now owns the largest construction company in the city of Portland. Mike could buy me three times over and still have money. I didn't have the nerve to bring up that conversation with him. But I'm sure he thought about it many times. But there are some of us here today. We're like that old Cadillac. Maybe 2011, you've been beat up. You've been rolled over a couple times. Your windows have been knocked out. People are laughing at you. They're laughing at your situation. They're thinking it's impossible. But friends, if you will trust Jesus, if you were to trust your daddy, he will fix your situation up. He will put the windows back in. He will knock the dents out. Danny was that old beat-up Cadillac. But I love the phrase that he says, that I have now become God's trophy. That God wants to show me off. Maybe you're going through something right now. I want you to just listen to the words of this song that Jamila is going to share with us at this time. And then following that, I want to have a special prayer for you. I'm moving to the rhythm of your grace. 
your spirit is intoxicating in the secret place your love is extravagant change to you maybe you're going through a situation right now that no one knows about and it's okay it's just between you and the Lord but as my old grandpa would say you've heard me say this many times either you're going through something 
you're coming out of something or you're about to go into something. But the consistent thing is that Jesus will be there with you. In fact, our verse for today is one simple verse. Proverbs 5, excuse me, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Remember this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Wherever life's journey is taking you, we hope you can find a home at Gateway Fellowship, a ministry of WGTS 91.9. We'd love for you to visit us sometime. Services happen each Saturday evening at 6. You can learn more about us and get more podcasts at mygatewayfellowship.com.